Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host... I think I'd better straighten myself out. Need any help? Oh, all I can get. Oh. Thanks. That's okay. Sit down, will you? Maybe you should eat something first. No, thanks. Food makes me sick. A man drink like that and he don't eat, he is going to die. When? Michael Preston. In a movie full of just, like, superb scenes, uh, and I, Blazing Saddles was ranked in like one of the top like ten comedy movies of all time by AFI uh, a while back, but it is certainly one of the best comedy movies, if if not the best comedy movie of all time. Uh, that's got to be among my favorite. Just the oh, all I can get. <laughs> I still use that to this day. I do. Welcome to the Coog Center Hour, Brian Howell of BuffZone.com and the Boulder Daily Camera going to join us in a little bit to talk about the Colorado Buffaloes. And I will uh, preface this, we talked on Sunday when my voice was not nearly as good as it sounds right now, and even right now it doesn't sound great. Uh, but at the time, LaVisca Chenault, we didn't know his status, seems like by an Instagram post he had uh, earlier today, and I can't believe I'm delving into the world of athlete status on Instagram, but I am. Uh, that he will be active uh, for Saturday against Washington State. But we'll wait to get official word uh, from Mike McIntyre this week and see what he has to say. Uh, and then, as always, wonder with our Dunderhead of the Week and ask Michael anything as well on this, the week that Washington State is 8-1. and one. And I would argue to you, <clears throat> excuse me, probably their hardest home game of the year. And I know that Utah game exists in the ether uh, for homecoming weekend in late September. Uh, But this one, you know, that Utah team we at least knew was pretty darn good. And probably better, you know, playing a little bit better than their 2-1 record indicated than that close win win over Northern Illinois indicated. And all of that. Cal, on the other hand, had had a pretty bad last month or so after opening the season with three straight wins. They hadn't been playing really well for the better part of a month before beating Washington last week, or the week before last. And getting that big upset victory that Oregon also got the weekend before they came to Pullman. It didn't result in quite the letdown that Oregon experienced one when they came to Pullman. But again, I I wrote this last week, and I think it, it had a lot to do with the fact how emotionally charged everything was that Saturday that the Ducks were here uh, as well. And the fact that coupled with how late this game against Cal started, I mean, kickoff wasn't until 7.45. That's incredibly late. Uh, second latest game Washington State's played all year. Uh, so all those things kind of conspired, you know, to not make the crowd as energetic and not make them as excited to be there. Uh, but I, I, I think, and I haven't used this word as much this year. Maybe I will. And this, and, and this, it kind of defines this one. That was a stony win. That win had some stones. It, it, and it did because 
what you needed to have happen was your offense was not playing well at all. They ran into a Cal football team coached by Justin Wilcox, a guy who used to coach at the University of Washington, who knows Mike Leach's offenses, always seemed to have something a game plan put together, well put together to stop Mike Leach's offense. And you had Bo Baldwin over there, the head coach at Eastern Washington, the time Eastern beat Washington State a few years ago. And Cal is just always that game where... You know, 2014 in Pullman, the 60-59 to game. Last year down in Berkeley, uh, nothing great really happened in that game uh, as well. I've tried to erase as much of, my, much of it as I can from my memory. But Cal was at least set up, and I, I thought Washington State would win by a little more. But Cal is a very good football team, obviously. Or, or not a very good football team, excuse me there. But they're set up well to, to play well against Washington State. And... Washington State faced an awful lot of adversity in that second half. They did not play well uh, in the second half, at least on offense, I thought. Uh, Punt, fumble, punt, missed field goal, and of course that game-winning touchdown to end it all. But that was not a good second half. It was not a good last 60 minutes of football uh, really for the offense and the defense struggled at times as well uh, including an interception return for a touchdown that got fumbled out of the back of the end zone and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the dunderhead of the week specifically not and not the players not the players I want to point that out uh, but that was a game where Washington State could have folded a little bit right kind of the same as the week before against Stanford, when you get down by a lot to a ranked team away from home, you could have folded. Washington State's offense could have folded after four pretty bad drives in that second half. The only one that wasn't really bad, other than the last one, of course, was the missed field goal. They did go 67 yards, took them 11 plays, but they did. Other than that, nothing really stands out as excellent to you uh, in that second half. So... You needed the Washington State defense for the first time really this year to kind of step up and be the unit that put a stop to a second half rally from a team. And they did just that. Uh, They did it a little bit against Stanford the week before, but Cal in the second half goes punt, interception, field goal, interception, punt, end of half. That is exceptional. Very good defense from Washington State in that second half. And at least I got the impression in that half that, you know, California controlled the ball for over 17 minutes, but I I never really was worried that they were going to kind of put the game out of reach, so to speak. And yes, that has to do with the fact that California's offense is just really not very good, not up to really the par of many of their Pac-12 counterparts, certainly not Washington State. But the defense was playing very, very well that entire game. In fact, roll back up to the top of the box score where you can see the average gain per play. And Cal was at 4.2 yards per play. Washington State was two yards above that. That's why 1913 is such a weird result to see because you would not ever expect a game to be that close with an average gain per play that wide, that far apart. Washington State's picking up a first down Every roughly play and a half, Cal needs three plays just to pick up a first down. That's the kind of difference we're talking about with these offenses in that game. 
And so when you look at how Washington State's deep defense had actually been playing all game, they've been playing very, very well. Just 5.4 yards per attempt for Cal through the air and 3.1 yards per attempt on the ground for them. So I never really, you know, like, yes, I was, you know, worried like every other Washington State fan in that game. But if it makes any sense, not in the same way that I had always been or was always worried about a close game against a team that you really shouldn't be letting hang around and you're ranked and you're at home and all the reasons this could go wrong for you. Besides the fact that this football team is obviously just different this year, that they are obviously, you know, we're not talking about the same team that in the past has folded and let games like this get away from them. Cal just, Washington State made a concerted effort to stifle the run. Patrick Laird had just 47 yards on 18 carries. Chase Garbers was the leading rusher and he's the quarterback. So it was very apparent very early on that Washington State, or you know, very apparent to me at least, that Washington State's defense wasn't going to let Cal run roughshod all over the field. And that Washington State's offense, for really the first time this year, Washington State's offense needed to do just enough to get out of Martin Stadium with a win. And it reminded me in a sense of last year where really weirdly, Washington State's defense was the strong unit on a Mike Leach coach air raid team. And it, it was, you know, again, kind of odd to get that reminder because the defense, although certainly pretty good this year, is not nearly what it was last year. I think most of us would agree with that. So it was interesting to see them kind of be the unit to have to bend but not break uh, on Saturday in Martin Stadium. I, I just said that was very interesting. And, you know, I like maybe maybe I'm the only guy thinking this way, but I... I wasn't really ever, you know, like yeah, worried, but not like really worried in that second half, even though Washington State was just up by three. Like, I never really got too scared that they weren't going to win the football game. If they go to overtime, it's maybe a little bit of a different story. But I wasn't, you know, truly ever like really, really worried that they were not going to win the football game. If, if that makes even a lick of sense. I don't know. I want to point out a couple other things uh, from Saturday as well. Uh, some shouts out go to the special teams coverage. Uh, Cal averaged just 11 yards on kick returns. That's pretty good, I thought, as well. No prompt returns for either team. Uh, but kickoffs were good uh, yesterday. Uh, Blake Mazza struggled again. Missed a field goal, a 30-yard field goal. He is a freshman, though. That does tend to happen. Uh, another bad snap on a PAT attempt. And Washington State did hold on. And by the way, kudos to Maza for just running back there and cover up the ball. Do not let Cal run that back. Now, Cal still is going to have to score a touchdown uh, to come back and win the football game. But still, good on Blake Maza uh, for just going back there and covering it up. And again, another great point on the defense. Ten tackles for a loss. In that football game, including five sacks. Nice to see Nambi Aguayo uh, back on the stat sheet as well. Will Rogers, Logan Tago. That's Tago's first two sacks, apparently. Who saw that coming? That that was that I didn't know that. I think I saw that from Matt Chazanow. That that was I couldn't believe that. And also interesting that uh, really in that game the points kind of came in bunches. Cal scored a touchdown. Then Washington State scored a touchdown on the next drive. And then Cal kicked a field goal, and then Washington State kicked a field goal on the next drive, and it was just all very, all very bunched up in that game. Uh, Washington State now heads to Colorado to face off against the Colorado Buffaloes. 
uh, this coming Saturday in Boulder. And again, I think we remember that last trip to Boulder uh, in 2016, a, a game featuring two really good football teams in Washington State with a number of opportunities to put that one away, and they couldn't do it. And Colorado allowed Colorado to stick around, and they won the football game. Last year's kind of, as we'll talk about with Brian Howe, Last year's kind of just a wash because I'm literal a literal wash because of how bad the weather was in Pullman. I mean, it was an absolute torrential downpour that game was played in. Do I think the point where after that third touchdown that Washington State scored got up twenty one to nothing in the third quarter? I looked at my wife, I stood up, put my hands up, and I went, I'm done, we're leaving, and we left to went back to the hotel room and dried off. That I you know, you can think whatever you want to think about me. I would I was not sitting out there in the rain anymore. I had like two rainproof coats on and a waterproof blanket on and it still wasn't keeping all the water out probably operator error on part of that but that was enough for me uh this is again a a football game Washington State should win and it's kind of nice to keep saying that uh so far this year isn't it Colorado's defense is kind of middle of the road in the Pac-12 in everything they do Steven Montez is obviously a very good quarterback uh, at wide receiver, we talked about LaVishka Chenault. Is he going to be back? In theory, according to his Instagram, he is ready to go and ready to play again. He has missed the last few games. And uh, Brian Howell is going to talk about a few more injuries that uh, Colorado is dealing with, including at receiver and in the secondary. But this for Colorado is a very interesting football game. Uh, they are, they, I think everybody knows, they started the year 5-0. and oh, They were ranked. And they were just kind of running roughshod over their schedule. And they've dropped four in a row. And now you're to kind of a point of your schedule, the meaty part right at the end here against Washington State this weekend, Utah the next weekend, and whatever the heck that rivalry is that the Pac-12 calls it. And then you have to go to California. And there's a team in California that might be able to do just enough on offense uh, to beat Colorado. But this is certainly not the Colorado team we saw at the beginning of the year. And in fact, if you watched that Colorado-Oregon State game before Washington State's game against Stanford a couple of weeks ago, uh, you saw Colorado Buffalo's team get up 28 points on Oregon State, on the Oregon State Beavers, who, as you may know, are not very good this year. They got up by four touchdowns, and they lost the football game. That is a pretty shocking development uh, if you are if you are the Colorado Buffaloes. Because, you know, I thought the Buffs would be pretty decent this year, uh, but not cough up a 28-point lead to Oregon State in one half and lose the football game in overtime bad. That is that is pretty not very good. And this is a team that is reeling. They do get Chenault back. He's missed the last few games with a toe injury. Uh, so is he back on the field this Saturday? I guess we'll find out this week or even on Saturday as well. Uh, but this is a team that's reeling a little bit. And as Brian will explain to you here in a moment... A secondary that's a little dinged up. And that's a good opportunity, again, for Gardner Minshew uh, to go into Boulder and kind of throw it all over the yard. And I think the other thing, too, is Washington State benefits a little bit from having played that game at Wyoming earlier this year in that you've played at a place with higher elevation than Boulder. Like Not too many places in the NCAA you can do that. New Mexico, I think, is one of them. And Wyoming. And that's about it in terms of places higher in the Power 5 Conference, or actually, heck, in the FBS, in terms of elevation where you can go play. So good for them that they've already played a game and kind of gotten ready, so to speak, uh, for this trip down to Boulder. But I think going to be an interesting football game. I don't think Washington State's going to have any trouble moving the football, whether they have trouble uh, keeping Colorado out of the end zone, another matter entirely. We will talk to Brian Howell 
of BuffZone.com coming up next on the Goop Center Hour. On the Coog Center Hour, my voice is finally kind of sort of coming around, and Brian Howell, though, is at full throat. He covers the Colorado Buffaloes for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera. I think this is like year three in a row we've had him on the show, and he gives great insight to the Buffs. Uh, first of all, Brian, uh, Colorado started the season 5-0. and They were ranked, and things have kind of gone off a cliff ever since then for Colorado. They lost four in a row, including uh, giving up a 28-point lead to Oregon State at home. Yeah, it, it hasn't been good, and, and really, that game right there is is has made everything else just look worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the first two you you lose at USC, you lose at Washington, and those were those were kind of expected, right? I mean, they they had opportunities to win both those games, but you kind of expect to lose at those two schools, right? And the Arizona game this last weekend, that's a toss up, and so you know, and it kind of played as a toss up, but it's really the Oregon State loss has really put the, this entire season in a different light and this entire losing streak in a different light. Uh, yeah, you're up 31-3 in the second half against the worst team in the conference and arguably the worst Power 5 team in the country and mm-hmm. you don't close the deal. That, that's really bad, and, and uh, that's, that's certainly put a damper on this entire season for Colorado. Yeah. What has it been, you know, other than what you said, right, you know, the, I mean, three or four away, excuse me, from Boulder – uh, over this losing streak? Has it just been that, like you said, they ran into some pretty good football teams other than Oregon State, or was there something else that changed for Colorado over this last month or so, uh, or was it just that they kind of started really playing the good teams on their schedule? Well, I think part of it was they started playing the good teams, but they they also you know, they lost their best player, uh, LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wide receiver was, you know, I mean, going into that USC game, you know, CU's 5-0, and Game Day comes out and does a feature on him. He's a Heisman candidate. He's leading the country in receiving, all this stuff. And uh, he gets injured at, during the USC game. And they were losing that game, but he gets injured, and he hasn't played since. He's missed three in a row, and uh, so they haven't had their best player. But even without him, they very well could have won at Washington. They're just mm-hmm. making a lot of mistakes right now that are hurting them. And right. uh, just, I mean, critical things. Like, you know, that game at Washington – they get an interception from the end of the first half. They've got first and goal to seven, and they end up with a field goal. You know, that, right. that felt like a instead of a, a win in those three points. So a lot of mistakes like that that have just killed this team, and uh, they're not playing as sharp as they were during that 5 and zero stretch. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Chenault in a bit, but uh, Steven Montez, the quarterback uh, for Colorado, we saw him last year in Pullman. Probably not a very fair evaluation of a quarterback in that game, given how hard – 
uh, it was raining, but he certainly is having uh, what looks to me like a pretty good season so far uh, this year. Um, up over 2,000, nearly 2,400 yards passing, 17 touchdown passes to just five interceptions. And I know that this has kind of been something Colorado's been waiting for, was for him to kind of come on and to kind of be the next quarterback at Colorado. What, what about him is the biggest X factor uh, for the Buffs when he's on the field? Yeah, well, first off, like you said, uh, Cougar fans should not judge him off what they thought. No, 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 no. That no, was, that was by, far, by yeah. far his worst start of his career. And, and he came back actually the next week at Cal and had his best game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's really taken the, the next step. And uh, he's been the one, you know, one of the few players during this four-game streak that uh, has played really well. I and mean, I don't really put much of it on him at all. And uh, that game against Oregon State, uh, they had a season-high six dropped passes in that game. Right. Where if they just catch the ball, that comeback never happens for Oregon State. And so mm-hmm. he actually played fairly well uh, the other day against Arizona. And so, yeah, he, he just, he's reading defenses better. He's just playing a lot better. He's more he's very calm. He's very poised on the field. And um, he has taken a lot of shots lately because that offensive line is not very good. But, mm-hmm. but Steven's pretty good football. And, and he plays well at Folsom. So uh, over the next two weeks, they got – uh, Washington State and Utah. He plays well at Folsom, so uh, that could be an X factor here these next couple of weeks. Talked about him a little bit, and uh, LaVisca Chenault, certainly the best player uh, for Colorado. And, I mean, the guy's numbers before he got hurt against USC were just mind-bogglingly good. He had 211 yards receiving at Colorado or against Colorado State, uh, 177 against Nebraska, over 100 yards, two other games as well. Gets hurt against USC. What is his status for this week, or do we know yet? Because, you know, we're obviously doing this pretty early in the week, but do we have any indication as to whether he's going to be ready to go against Washington State? Well, yes and no. And, you know, one of the things, the other thing, he's also got five rushing touchdowns. He's their short yardage guy. Yeah, God. Well, that's, so. I, I, I even looked at that, too, and I completely forgot about the fact that, oh, by the yeah. way, he also he happens to run the football really well for him, too. So they, they missed that dynamic as well. I mean, they, they've been around the Wildcat with him, and he's their short yardage back. So. Yeah as well, but um, yes and no as far as his status. I mean, they keep telling us day-to-day and, and you know, that it's, well, we'll see, we'll see, and, and you know, we haven't had access yet. Uh, we have no access over the weekend, so um, mm-hmm. we'll talk to Mike McIntyre tomorrow. I know he's going to say, well, we'll see. He's day-to-day. He's not going to want to tell Washington State, but when we talked to him after the game on Friday night, mm-hmm. he was asked, you know, do you think Levinson comes back this year? And his answer was hopefully. So that right. doesn't sound very comes back this week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it sounds like, well, maybe we get it back for the, the last game or two. Um, and, and just things you hear off to the side, uh, kind of off the record type things. If I had to guess, I would say that he's not going to play this weekend. It sounds like right. that toe has is, is really bothered him. Um, they keep telling us it's turf toe. Those things can last a while. So I, I would not count on seeing him against Washington State, but maybe he makes a, uh, has a great week of practice and then goes out there and gives it a go. We talked about Montez. We talked about Chenault, who may or may not play. Uh, who else do Cougar fans need to keep an eye on on offense for Colorado? Because I, I certainly feel like, and you can you can tell me if I'm mistaken, that 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 is the better unit uh, on this football team. The defense, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, is kind of very middle of the road in the Pac-12. But the offense uh, seems to be kind of where Colorado butters their bread, so to speak. Yeah, and you know it's funny because up until uh, two weeks ago. Really, up until about halftime of Oregon State, you would have said the defense was the better side of the ball because mm-hmm. um, that kind of carried them through most of the season. But offensively, it's hard to answer that question because their number two receiver is Katie Nixon, who uh, against Oregon State has almost 200 yards receiving. 
and he scores their first touchdown against Arizona, gets hurt on the play, and missed the rest of the game Jeez. with a hip injury. They don't know if he'll play this week. Oh, God. Uh, their, their number four receiver is Jay McIntyre, the, the uh, head coach's son. Right. And takes a hard fall and is, uh, is now going through concussion protocol for the second time in three weeks. I can't imagine he plays this week either. So that's three of their top four receivers that may be out for this week. So, wow. Uh, that is a very deep position, though. So Tony Brown is a guy that uh, you'll see. Juwan Winfrey uh, had 100 yards the other night. Uh, KB Onento is a kid that I think he had four catches all season, but he had five the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a couple of kids that you'll, that you'll see that uh, Stephen will lean on. Uh, Jalen Jackson is a true uh, retro freshman that you'll see a little bit. And then Trayvon McMillan is a running back that uh, he's on pace for 1,000 yards. The grad transfer from Virginia Tech. Uh-huh. So uh, he'll catch the ball. Uh, he'll run the ball, obviously. So offensively, uh, those are the guys you'll see. And, you know, it's, it really comes down to whether the offensive line can block for him. Right. I kind of mentioned Colorado's defense in terms of just the counting stats are very, very, like, almost exactly middle of the road in the Pac-12. I think they're sixth or seventh in points per game, passing yards given up per game, and rushing yards given up per game. Like, literally, they are sixth, seventh in all those categories. Is there one thing they do in particular better than it, better than those, at least by the eye test? Because at least the numbers tests say they just do everything pretty decently, pretty much. Yeah, and... You know, this is a bad matchup for Colorado because it's really right now what's killing them defensively. Like I said, they were playing pretty well up until halftime of Oregon State. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, they were playing pretty solid all the way across the board. But their secondary right now has just been depleted. I mean, they one of their top corners is Chris Miller. He's a, he's a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. Well, he broke his wrist against Washington. He's out for the year. Jeez. Uh, so uh, they missed him. Uh, one of their, I mean, their best safety and one of the best playmakers on the defense he went out like the last play of the first half against Oregon State, uh, got hit in the helmet by his own player, and, uh, and missed the rest of that game and the Arizona game with a concussion. That's his third concussion this calendar year, so uh, you got he comes back. So that's two of the best players in the secondary that have been out, and ever since those two guys have been out, I mean, that's uh-huh. what Houston killed him with. I mean, the second half of Oregon State, Jake Luton uh, throws for 300 yards and, and three touchdowns. Right. And last week, Bill Tate throws for a career-high yards and five touchdowns. So I, if I'm Gardner Minshew, I'm looking at this defense and they're like, oh, this would be easy. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they, they, can, they have not covered anybody over the last six quarters, and it's just been, been mind-boggling because secondary play is what has been Mike McIntyre's calling card. Right. Uh, they stopped fun pretty well, but uh, I don't think that really matters in this game. I mean, As you know, I mean, Oregon State, their whole thing is passing the ball. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's a bad matchup for Colorado. Well, I mean, you mentioned it because I remember, you know, Chidobia Wuzier and how good that secondary was uh, even just a couple of years ago. And then, you know, obviously last year, you know, again, we don't really count that game because the weather was so terrible that, you know, nothing really, you, you can't really discern anything from that. Is, is this been a big, pretty big surprise the last six quarters? I mean, you know, I, you know, we know we've dealt with some injuries, but is this surprising to you that the secondary has been this bad? You know, it is uh, on one hand, but on the other, when you look at all the injuries, it's yeah. not. And, uh, you know, we knew that was the one thing that, uh, you know, those of us who cover the team going into this season, we thought, you know, defensively, I think they'll be pretty good, but they don't really have much depth in mm-hmm. the secondary. And that's what's being tested right now, and, and it's showing that they don't. I mean, you lose two of your best guys uh, in the secondary the last two weeks, and, and, and we see the difference right now. I mean, Jake Browning uh, couldn't do much against Colorado. Uh, a couple weeks ago with those guys in there. In the last couple of weeks, you've had Jake Luton and Cleo Tate, neither of which you would say are 
dynamic passers, and they've uh, both had career highs in passing yards right. the last two weeks. Uh, there's been a big difference. They just can't cover anybody right now. Right. Well, Jake Browning can't really throw to anybody right now either, but that's that's no, that's, but, that's, no, that's just that's a, I agree, but yeah. he's still a ten thousand yard passer. Yes, he is, yes. And that's that's more that's my personal bias leaking out a little bit there too. <laughs> I'm not the biggest Jake Browning fan either. No. I think he's overrated. But when you see Jake Luton throw for three hundred yards, you would think yeah. Jake Browning well, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. No, I know. I, th- I think you're exactly right. Uh, these yeah. last three games, before we get, we'll, we'll talk, we'll kind of wrap up with a prediction on the Washington State game here in a second. But uh, I, I talked about earlier, Brian, how hard the this the teams have been in this four-game winning streak, Oregon State kind of withstanding on that one, and how much harder Colorado's season has gotten. Do you think there's a little worry um, from fans or you know even people on the team that you go Washington State, Utah, California, luckily all three games at home to close out the season – but is there at least a chance some people are worried that after starting 5-0, and this team may not be bowl eligible? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, Cal's back down the road uh, that last game. Oh, I'm but, sorry. Uh, I'm looking at the Pac-12 the Pac- schedule. Has it wrong? What a surprise. The conference can't get that yeah. right either. Yeah. That was, that was on the road. But, yeah, there's, there's definitely concern. I mean, there's after that Oregon State game, you know, there's a lot of fans. But this team's not going to win another game. And, uh, and honestly, you look, you look at this team, and it's hard to really figure out which game they would win. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, I don't think they're going to win this week. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a bad matchup. And uh, Utah is a little bit different now. If Tyler Hundley sounds like he broke his collarbone, so having them at home, uh, that one, I think that one's a toss-up. And then Cal, I mean, they're still up and down, but that's probably a toss-up. So I still think they get one somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they they get uh, two or three, um, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely concern that uh, this team finishes zero uh, and seven, which would be just miraculous yeah. <laughs> in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, not not the kind of miracle you want uh, if you're a fan of the team in Boulder. There, uh, you, yeah, you mentioned uh, don't think the game going to go particular. You know, it's a bad matchup for Colorado this weekend. So, kind of give me an idea of where you think uh, the game's going to end up, final score wise. Yeah, and I, I, playing at home, Colorado usually plays well at home, and so mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that that mitigates a little bit. I think that uh, you know, I, I still think there's a lot of fight left in this team. I just don't think that their secondary is, is up to the challenge of going against uh, Gardner in that passing attack. And right. I think that uh, he's going to have a, a pretty good day. And uh, I think Washington State should kind of run away with this one. And, you know, I haven't seen a spread or anything, but I would guess they win by double digits. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. They've been playing a little bit better on the road lately uh, as well. So you're going to run into, you know, Colorado that plays better at home and Washington State that, frankly, has been playing a little bit better on the road lately. They didn't play well, uh, just well enough to win against Cal. But uh, we'll see how they do this weekend. Brian Howell, AboveZone.com and the Boulder Daily Camera. He's got you covered all week uh, leading up to the 1230 ESPN kick in Boulder on Saturday. Thank you, Brian, very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
Dunderhead of the Week time. Our thanks again to Mr. Brian Howell for joining us. We were going to talk about something else in this space, but nothing much else to talk about. Other than women's soccer hosting a NCAA tournament game, this is like, like year 10 of the last 12 they've been in the NCAA tournament. They're hosting a game this Friday against Montana at the Lower Soccer Field. Please go if you are in town. They are a great time, and uh, I encourage you to do so. That's It's just so much fun. Uh, Dunderhead of the Week, this, this is an easy pick for me. I teased it in our opening, and I still do not get how a defense returning an interception, they fumble it out of the back of the end zone, how that can be a touchback for the offense. It remains the stupidest rule. Dumbest, stupidest, most brain-dead rule in all of football. That how can a team returning the ball into the end zone they are attacking and losing it out the back of the end zone they're attacking be a touchback for the other football team? I am flabbergasted as to how that is still a thing. It is 2018. How do we still allow a defense to be penalized that badly for a play like that? Back it out to the 30 for all I care. Back it out to mid-friggin' field. Even if the interception happens at the two-yard line. Back it out to the 50. Or just a standard touchback at the 20 or the 25-yard line. But how, how does it make logical sense to hand the ball back to the team that threw the pick because it gets fumbled out of the back of the end zone? Because if they do that, if they fumble the ball out of the back of the end zone, it's a safety. It's two points. Why are we allowing this to be a thing just because the team they accidentally threw the football to and picked it off and ran it back did it for them? If anything, it should be a safety for the defense. Actually, that would be the one way to do it. Although that would create some really weird end game scenarios where you're doing that on purpose. Maybe, I don't know. I can't really... I'm not a Mr. Unintended Consequences. Let's put it that way. Either award the, defense, the, the team that makes the pick a safety and make them kick off again. Or make it a touchback. Those are my suggestions. That's what I'm sticking with. I'm certainly not a football expert, even though I like to think of myself as one. Ask Michael anything time. Ask me anything at CCOOG8606. Have you ever considered the fact that Jane Kaczmarek and Allison Janney are the same person? Convince me otherwise. Jane Kaczmarek is the mom from uh, Malcolm in the Middle, and Allison Janney, probably best known for her role as the press secretary on the West Wing. I mean, I've never seen them together. That's all I'm saying. Never seen him in the same spot. They do look very... I didn't even think about it before. They do look a lot alike, though. I did Google image search that. Uh, that looks, that's that is uncanny. At the last Zune, NC-17 lentils. <laughs> Going to Folsom Field for the first time to see a game. Best place to eat a bison burger in Boulder. I would say to just probably get your own and then kill the animal and make your own hamburgers. That would be what I would do. 
I wouldn't do that. I would probably just go to wherever the locals sent me. I'd, I've never been to Boulder. That is a stadium I want to cross off the list, certainly, though. At Totes McStoast, did Minshew's sideline catch cement him amongst the best, most iconic players in WSU history? For those who didn't know, Gardner Minshew caught one of those throwaway passes on Cal's last drive of the game, and he caught it with one hand. And, uh, yes, it does. At WSU Brady 27, Brady, how much money would a GoFundMe for firing Larry Scott earn? Bonus question, is that more or less than one for firing Pac-12 refs? It's less, but, and I know this this is a question in jest. I, I hate it when stuff like that happens. Let's get money together to pay WSU's field rushing. No, don't do that. Do not do that. Don't do it. Take that money and donate it to the uh, athletic fund instead. Way better. At Wazoo Coog 1986, Wazoo Coog, should I suspect a Pac-12 officiating conspiracy after last Saturday's game? Not just incompetence. That's probably about the limit of where I would go. At C-Raj 6, Cody Rogers, since no one should want to play the monster that is Alabama football, who's the other team that college football fan bases should want a shot at? Probably Clemson right now. Can you say that? I'd say Clemson, Michigan certainly. Uh, as well, there's some of the history and the prestige there uh, as well. So, yeah, I go with them. I go with Michigan as well. At the machine, at the underscore machine 51, Jake Stewart, what uniform combination will get the W over UW this year? Uh, just whatever does it. I, I don't really care. Go out there naked for all I care. Play them that way. At Issaquah John, John Thompson, I saw that Roderick Fisher was in the box score a couple weeks ago with a tackle. Does that mean his red shirt is burned? Uh, no, they... Um, New rule this year, you can play, um, I think it's three games. Yeah, it's three games and not burn your red shirt. Um, and as far as I know, he's only been in three now. It's either three or four games, I can't remember. But there is a there is a game threshold you have to get to now to actually officially burn uh, your red shirt. At Northwest Coast Bias, AJ, is Larry reviewed annually? No, he's not. Is there any accountability for Pac-12 officials? I mean, a little bit, but it kind of stops with Larry Scott. And where do you keep your litter box? I'm assuming you mean the cat's litter box. I haven't had one for years. Uh, it gets kept in our basement because our basement is unfinished, so it's just concrete down there. And so I don't got to really worry about, you know, they make a mess, they make a little bit of a mess. I go down there, I clean it, and uh, it's out of sight. Don't smell it. It's wonderful. If you have that kind of situation, I would do that. Washington State 37, Colorado 21. I think they cruise in the second half. We will see you next week on the Coop Center Hour.